Well, welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment. Girl power is in the building. You know what I mean? I have to say woman, though, because she's not a girl. That's true. Not Britney Spears. Not yet a, you know, not yet a woman. That's a great compliment. You never want to call a lady uh, Britney Spears. That's hard. You also don't want to call a woman a girl. I'm just happy to be called, to tell you the truth. How are you? So sorry about the confusion. Yes, yeah, sorry about that. I thought, I didn't think they were in L.A. I thought they were on the East Coast. But <laughs> yeah. I was rolling with it. I thought, oh, wow, I'm like three hours early. But then I thought, no, something's up. So, um, yeah, no, I had some other business to do. And when I got back, I started to get your messages. And I thought, okay, I was right. I'm totally digging the background right now. Oh, thank you. I didn't know what, it, what we were going to necessarily discuss. So I thought I also have a little bit of everything but because to go with the theme i know you just celebrated the 35th anniversary of the release of chopping mall so yeah. i'm not really surprised that you chose that that's awesome well i have night of the comet too it just all depends on what people want to talk about more it's always those two for sometimes it's fast times it's usually always those two so i have both of those backgrounds if you want Oh, whichever one you want is fine, but I, I like that one. That's cool. Okay. I think it's kind of cool. There's a killbots behind me. I like it. Yeah, definitely. I also have the mall, but if you don't if you don't really know the movie, it, the significance could be lost on you, you know? Yeah. You're sitting in a mall. If they're <laughs> listening to our show and they don't know about Chopping Mall, they really need to watch it or stop <laughs> listening. No, no, don't stop listening. I'm kidding. I kid, I kid. But... <laughs> Be careful with it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, the, the movie is an absolute cult classic. And, you know, to still be as relevant as it is 35 years later, that's got to be a fantastic feeling for you. It's how could you know that that was going to happen in, in a gajillion, trillion years? Yeah. How could you possibly know? You know, um, it's wild. It's wild because uh, the, the first like twenty years, I got teased about it more than anything else. That's how it goes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, it, it was kind of like a it was a liability actually because a I was teased and b it's like no we're not going to be calling that uh, that actress in for this a list role who uh, has who's uh, the star of Chopping Mall. We're just going to not have her. In. <laughs> It's tough. <laughs> Not that they ever saw thing. it, but you know, I mean, it's just and, and like nowadays, like the difference between the roles—it's crazy because like something that's not acceptable from then is acceptable now, and vice versa. So yeah, yeah, it's really, it's really crazy. different. It wasn't that long ago where if they Googled you and you had too much horror on your Google, they were like, "She has too much horror." Yeah. And that was not long ago. So it, it's weird. When I first got out to L.A., I, you know, I'd been on soaps for a couple of years. And I had, I had all the tape, right? And they said, she doesn't have film on herself. And I said, but I've got years of television. That doesn't count. They And it, was, it went against you, too. Oh, she's been on daytime television. So all these things that are, you know, just because something is taboo when you start does not mean that it's going to be that way. If, you know, life rolls around. It's a, it's a, it's a circle and, and, um, it doesn't stay the same. You right. know, when I first got here, if you were, um, in films, you didn't want to go do a TV show 
it was a step down. Yeah. And now every every star in the world is, you know, trampling each other trying to get on TV. Because right. <laughs> so we, you just don't know. And you can't take it like that. But, you know, when you're a kid, when you're starting out, you don't, you don't think of, I don't, I don't know. In, in retrospect, I, I can see what happened. But at the time, I was just like trying to figure out what was going on. So and you, um, well, and you, you know that I got kidded a lot for it. Yeah. But you also wanted the experience under your belt. So it's like, you know, don't judge me. I would, at least, you know, you were out there. You were doing something to increase well, your popularity too. and make moves with your career. That's what I thought, too. And, you know, somebody was chiding George Clooney at, at some point. What did you, what what were you thinking being attack of, an attack of the killer tomatoes? And he said, I was thinking about paying my rent. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we're not all trust fund kids that can hang out until we get the right, just the right job. I, I, you know what? I love being in shopping mall and it's like one of the greatest things that's ever, I mean, look at this. It's, you know, to have the, the fan love for this movie that we're having is, you know, what would you trade that for? That. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, the intro that <coughs> that one that trust fund thing is very interesting because, like, that's what it is. It's like a weird vibe where, you know, it was back in the day too, and it's still pr- prominent right now. Where it's like, if you have the money to be able to kind of just live out there and just do strictly that, you know, that's how it comes comes into you know into play the success part of it, if you will, or like the getting more work type deal so also it was pre-internet so we would think you know i'm i'm doing what i do and i'm supporting myself and no one's ever going to see this (laughs) 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 we didn't count on the internet that was pre-internet can you believe is anything pre-internet no but it it was it was i had a pager too oh you had a pager oh yeah so what you know what 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 was the big changing defining moment that brought you from Minnesota to California? Uh, I went to New York first. Okay, all right. Yeah, I I had um I I've gone to the started, you started with the the Guthrie Theater in, in Minneapolis. Yeah, so before yeah, and I went to conservatory school, and rather than like stay in Minnesota, I went and I went to conservatory school. But when I got there, I had no place to live. I was too young to get a job. No one would rent to me. I had five hundred dollars. And I thought I was going to conserve, you know. So um, I went to look for an apartment. And this woman, she was a, she said, I, I don't, I'm afraid for you. I don't know what to do. She yeah. said, I might be able to get you a roommate situation, but you haven't got a job. So, and then she said, but you know, my friend is an agent and she's been telling me that they're looking all over for this Midwestern Lolita and they haven't found her. Why don't you go over there? And see if she's interested in, I guess, you know, um, sub- submitting you or whatever. I went over there. The office is the size of a bathroom. It kind of looked like a porn office, honestly. <laughs> and um, and she, she says, all right, all right, take your picture. I had one, one picture. It was like, I don't even know why. I guess I, I had, but it didn't even look like me because I was all dolled up. And I was like, like, you know, really looked young in real life, but this made me look like I was a model. It didn't even look like me. So um, I slid it under the casting director's door and lo and behold, I got called in. I had no idea what I was doing. And um, it, when something that weird happens, it it happens because you're going to get the get the job because otherwise, why would the universe bother having all that stuff happen <laughs> unless you're going to get it? And so I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my mom. I call her up and I go, guess what? 
because I had even, even found like a, a place to live yet. I was staying with, the, you know, somebody was out of town because he was driving the bus for the school because they were on tour with something. I was staying in his apartment until he got back, and then what? You know, I said, "I'm, I'm on. I'm going to be on TV." <laughs> Weirdest story ever. I know, and so I really think I really think that happened because I don't think I would have would have um, if I had to have it as hard as, you know, like a, if I if I didn't get encouragement like that in the beginning, I might have thought. I don't know about this for me. You know, I really, really. Your hunger, your like, hunger to do it drove you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I just wasn't, it's like you're on a tightrope. You're not, I never looked down. I never realized what I was doing. Yeah. I didn't know any better, you know? Yeah. And you, you said the lady that. You, you it said can the only lady happen that, when you're that young. Cause you just don't, you don't think. And you know, yeah. New York was really gritty at that point too. It was before they cleaned it up. Yeah. How old were you when you went out to New York? 80. Well, it was, and I was not 18, so. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. <laughs> um, but I had graduated early, and so um, my parents, my, my father was a teacher, and um, um, he taught at the high school that I went to. And then um, uh, my mom just said, you know what, just just go to conservatory school, because um, I had um, I never really felt like I belonged there. And, and my mom, after raising all these kids and her own experience in life, um, just said, if you want to do something, just go do it. Yeah. So I think it was more her frustration with seeing things not turn out the way she'd hoped they would for everybody else that she just went, she pushed me out the door. And I remember being so homesick, like one of my first, you know, I started shooting the this, this show and everything. I, I, and there was a pay phone, a pay phone. I get on the pay phone. And I said, I'm, I want to come home. <laughs> so, and I can hear mom. And she said, you stick it out. It's <laughs> a good mom. Yeah. I did. That's very surprising. And look at you now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards, as the years went by, she said, you know, had I realized what I was letting you do? I would have never let you do that. We didn't know any better. We were from, you know, Minnesota. We neither one of us had ever been to New York City or anything like that. We had no idea, and that's the only reason it happened. If you stop and think about what you're doing, um, you're toast. Right. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, you just gotta kind of close your eyes and run. You know what I mean? (laughs) And then, and then, as if you know, Chopping Wall wasn't enough of a cult classic. You were a part of Fast Times at Ridgemont High, and there's so many people in that movie that, you know, everybody in the world knows who they are. How was it being on set with so many people now that... Well, real quickly, can we ask how you got involved? I was in New York still, and uh, I auditioned, and then they, you know, how they keep calling actors back and back and back, so... It finally ended up uh, over the weekend, and they ordered food. They had me, Phoebe Cates, and Brian Backer sit and read the movie for the producers, and we went over and over and over and did the whole movie for them more than once. And I remember wow. Phoebe saying, we have died. This is actor's purgatory. We just don't, we don't know what <laughs> That's what it is. We just have to keep auditioning. <laughs> oh, that's what it felt like. We were so tired by the end of it. So I thought, I probably have a pretty good chance. Ch- uh, chance to get the part of Stacy. 
I had no idea that they might have anybody here or anything like that, that, you know, that they were already interested in. Um, I'm sure that they are, that their first, that they thought they were going to do um, Jennifer Jason Lee, but you always need a safety. Um, so I didn't get it after all that. And then pretty soon I got another call saying, do you want to go out there and play the cheerleader? And I went, what? <laughs> because I always played bad girls and juvenile delinquents. The only jobs I'd gotten so far was I was like a really horribly pathologically evil child on Ryan's Hope. And then I also played a psychotic killer in a movie that hadn't come out yet. Um, and that was it. So the thought that they wanted me to play a cheerleader was bizarre to me. Um, <laughs> and then guess what? <laughs> So people know things, can see things about you that you can't see about yourself, I guess. Because I played two in a row. Um, so I, I, was, I was just going to say, it wasn't your first time being a cheerleader in a movie. <laughs> it was. It was my first time. I wasn't No, no, like, well, you had, that was your first as a cheerleader. And then you had a, a Night of the Comet. Yeah. And that the reason when um, the Tom Everhart, the writer-director, said, you know, I, want, I still want somebody evil, you know, uh, not evil, like annoying, <laughs> annoying, like that cheerleader in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And they said, you know, a producer said, I can probably get you that cheerleader because we're with the same agency. <laughs> I love that cheerleader in Fast Times. All right. Yeah. Right. I do that. I still do that to this day. I'll do that. Like, I'll be walking by myself in the mall when back when there was malls. And I'll just be like, all right. Uh, people do that to me still to this day. Too. I'll do, do <laughs> all right. <And> I go, <laughs> all right. <laughs> like I can still, you know, of course I can still, after they reminded me, I can still do it. Yeah. I didn't remember it at first. Cause you don't, you just keep going, you know, and you, but people sit and watch it. They know it better than you do. Yeah. So then you go back and, and you, and you pick it back up. Cause you already did it. And you, you, you it came out of you, so you can get it back. But yeah. they knew before you do. And people will come up and they'll say, in this scene, did you know that such and such and such and such? And I will have no idea. Yeah. So um, they know more, fans know more than we do, for sure. It's and the other, who, who would think that you could ask me anything different about Chopping Mall? And yet somebody pointed out to me that we were like less than six feet apart from all the other people that were having sex like that's it's about six feet behind us and we were just like da, da, da. <laughs> I went I ne- that never occurred to me because obviously other than you could see them kind of when we were shooting that scene they weren't back there you know we shot it separately and Tony and I and, and, and the director we did not play it like except for that that thing you know where you can hear um Susie Slater go oh god oh god um yeah and i thought you're right the whole scene there so and i've never yeah, thought like you're her. getting you're getting to know the guy that you're on a date with and then you got them in the back doing their biz, their thing and- we refer to it but the reality of it of the, going on the entire time you know i never thought of it before yeah. <laughs> so, it is kind yeah. of funny because I just rewatched it last night and I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, how how awkward is that? Like, if you were if you were all shooting that role at the same time with them, like pretending that they're having sex behind you, and while you're trying to have a conversation with the guy that you're there on a date with. Yeah, well, they shot that at a different part of the night, you know, so they weren't doing that at that point. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, it just, you know, the proximity, it, it never dawned on me how close behind us they really were. In my mind, I guess, I always thought they were like, way far back. And they're not. <laughs> they're not. They're cold in distance. <laughs> right. Right. To go back to Fast Times real quick, how was it working with Amy Heckerling? Um, she was really quiet and she yeah. was very, very focused on what she was doing. And I, because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, you know, insecure. I thought she doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she had, she was a little bit busy. She had her first big studio feature film and she was a young woman. And, you know, that didn't really occur to me the, how weird it was that she was a young woman directing a universal movie. Was a because big when I started, we had a woman director on the soaps. Uh, women held positions of, you know, producing and positions of power within the daytime network. I didn't think it was odd. Yeah. And then later on, I found out how odd it was, you know, um, but I didn't think so. But she, I, she was like me in a way. You know, we got this opportunity and we're taking it really seriously and making the most of it. Yeah. Um, um, but she, she was not one of those directors that was yelling all the time. She was very quiet. She seems cool like that, yeah. Yeah. Very good, very had a, groundbreaking, you know. How about Cameron Crowe? Got the, a young Cameron Crowe writer wrote the script. Did you get any interaction with him? Well, okay, so um, that's when I had to give the speech about it takes a lot of courage. Yeah. I had read the book and I based the character on the book more than anything else. And I noticed when I was learning the lines that they took the, the best line out. They took out, which I thought was the heart of the, the whole reason for the character almost was it takes a lot of courage to get up here and do something you know people will make fun of. It wasn't in there. And really? so before we shot, yeah, before we shot, I go up to Cameron and I go, and I, can I put this line back in there? And he goes, what's the line? I go, I tell him and he goes, because he was kind of like a Doonesbury character, really tall. And so he goes, Try it. We'll see if it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> he said that when he likes something, he'll go, "Oh, that scene was happening." Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> it's kind of like a '70s throwback thing there for a second, but uh, yeah. Um, and so, to me, that was the whole. That was yeah. her. You know? It really is. She was putting herself out there. Um, and uh, in, in, if you read the book in the in in her background, they get more into who she was and everything, and and. Probably, what, if it doesn't make any sense what I'm talking about, if you read, read the book, it, you would know what I meant. But. Yeah. So, um, um, but, you know, we were all very, very serious. Um, you know, in order to, to do the cadaver scene, I went to the library and found pictures of cadavers and studied them so that I would know what I was looking at. You know, stuff like that. There you go. And everybody was like that, though. You know, people say, oh, was that a fun set? We were all... We knew our opportunity there. We knew it was, we were film actors, you know, and that was, we were doing our thing. And no, there was no, no, you know, it wasn't like a, a, a frat party or anything like that. It was super serious young people, you know. Was there like big buzz about it while you guys were shooting it? Because there was a yeah. lot of up and coming. I mean, all around up and coming from filmmakers to cast. Yeah. No, as a matter of fact, Amanda was, who was a Brad's girlfriend and she's, you know, Nightmare on Street, all that stuff. Um, she said um, in, in, in an interview, I guess, or, or something. She said to me, um, "Kelly was the was the only famous person on that entire set." Wow! I was the one because I was on the soap, and they'd be out out yelling, "Kimberly, Kimberly, Kimberly!" And it was embarrassing, you know, because 
soaps weren't cool at the time. Yeah. Um, I was like, oh, God. The funny thing about Amanda being in that movie is as many times as I've seen it, I didn't realize until I watched it. I rewatched it again last night and real, finally realized it was her. Really? Yeah. It, it took me all this time, as many times as I've seen that movie, to realize it was her. Wow. <laughs> did, did you notice the small Nicolas Cage cameo in there? Yes, that, that I noticed. I, I think Nicolas Cage like was in the running to be Spicoli at one point. Well, that was the thing. is you know I was in the running to be Stacy, and I ended up the cheerleader. Anthony Edwards... And uh, Nick Cage, he was Nicholas Piccoli. I mean, that's a hello. He was Nicholas Coppola at the time. He hadn't changed his name yet. Um, and um, Eric Stoltz was in the running for Spicoli. And they ended up like the surfer dudes and the and Brad's friends. And I don't know about, um, I asked Amanda, I said, well, you were up for Stacey too, right? She goes, no, no, I just went in for Brad's girlfriend. That didn't happen to me. Yeah. So, but yeah, as a, as a rule, I think that they saw people that they really, liked and you know um um they just had a better visual of who they wanted to portray each character than the people that came in but they still kept you all and made you a part of the film yeah different aspects that actually it just all came together beautifully yeah it was it was something um i had a feeling it was going to be special i couldn't tell if it was the feel because when I, I'd never been to California, I'd never been to Universal Studios, and there I was standing there watching the, the because I couldn't drive, so the Teamsters picked me up, or I could walk. Those were my choices. Yeah. So the Teamsters would pick me up at the crack of dawn, and I would watch the studio coming to life. I was there t- way too early. Hair and makeup wasn't open yet. The wardrobe people weren't even there. And I just watched it come to life with the sun coming up, and it's just total TMZ um, t- Turner Classic Movie, not TMZ, Turner Classic Movies um, scene, you know, commercial, like watching the studio come to life. It was exactly like that. It exceeded my every expectation I could have had. And there's kind of the wardrobes and then the golf carts start going around and you start to smell the the um, the breakfast burritos and, and pretty soon hair and makeup get there. And, and you just see everything coming to life, like I said, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, why did I tell you that? My point, and I did have one, was, oh, 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 why I thought you didn't ask me. I foisted this question upon you, which was, um, um, I, um, I kind of knew something was special about it, but I couldn't tell if, I mean, I just thought the movie was special, but I, it was also the fact that I'd never been to California before. And so um, I, the first time I was on set was the scene where... Um, um, Spicoli and his friends come rolling out of the van and you can see all the smoke. Yeah. <laughs> and then Brad comes in and, and the, the, the car that they got was so like, exactly like the, it was described in the book that I went, the cruising vessel. <laughs> and our lens turns around and goes, who said that? And I thought, oh no, I blew a take. You know, the first, first moment on set and I'm already in trouble. And I said, it was me. And he goes, finally, some enthusiasm on this set. Now, and, and so I look back and I think, why did I not think that, that they looked at me and saw a cheerleader? No. I didn't see that. No. <laughs> so well, it just played nicely. Just like you at that moment, as soon as you shouted that out, that they made the right choice. 
I guess so. Exactly. <laughs> I, guess so. I, feel, I feel bad for Eric Everything, Stoltz. I, I'm a firm believer. <laughs> poor Eric Stoltz. He lost Spicoli and Marty McFly, the poor guy. Yeah. Yeah. How was, uh, you know, any interaction with Sean Penn? You know? Oh, yeah. But, well, because I was there early and I would sit in the hair room. And he had to come early and get those are extensions. He didn't walk okay. around like that. And so he had to get his hair sewn on. And I was very quiet because he was total method at that time. And you had to call him Spicoli or he wouldn't answer you and, yeah. and stuff like that. So I just left him alone. Um, I figured he's really serious. I'm just going to leave him alone. And the hair lady goes, um, you kids should be nicer to Sean. He's a very nice boy in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and so... And so then I wasn't at the rap party because I was already back in New York, but I understand that he walked up to everybody at, at the rap party and said, hi, I'm Sean. That was the first time I'd ever met Sean. Oh, well, wow. He was deep on the cover brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you can appreciate that. Though. That that character was like the original, the dude, you know what I mean? I know. I, I, I know. Legendary, legendary. The whole film, I mean, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is one of those films that'll outlast everything. You know what I mean? Like if they, if if they decided, you know, hey, we can only pick fifty movies to send to Alien Life, the world's gonna end. Fast Times would be in that fifty movies. You, you know what I mean? Fun. Like you, I do. I really do think so. I really do. That's how big of a film I think Fast Times is. And you know, Personally. they almost didn't. They, they almost didn't release it. I, I said, know. We don't understand this. It's it's not a comedy. It's not really funny. And yeah. there's an abortion in it. And maybe right. we should just shelve this. I remember getting a call when my friends were like, they they might not even might might not even release the movie. And I was that you know, I was ready to walk back to California and say, You have to that's my first big movie. It's coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what they felt about it. Um, which wow. is you know, if, if if everybody has a problem with something you're doing, that's a surefire sign that's probably going to be really special right. <laughs> at one point. Um, but we, I didn't know this would happen. I mean, Criterion Collection, right. the Library of Congress. My cheerleading uniform is in a in a glass box at the Universal um, Museum. Yeah, Universal Studio oh, wow. Museum. That's great. Somebody took a picture of it. I didn't know it was there. That's awesome. They said, I, we did the Universal tour, and there was your outfit with Cindy on. <laughs> I said, get out of here. Yeah. It's it really neat. Did did that catch with an audience right off the bat, or did it have to find its audience, take a little bit to find its audience? Last times? I don't know. I felt like that would have been right with the times. Like, the youth would have loved that when it came out. I think it probably, it was much more edgy than other yeah. comedies, that it, teen comedies that were coming out. It was, you know, talked about. Real stuff. Yeah. Um, one of the things that had struck Cameron about the about the culture, because he went undercover at the high school, okay. um, and he pretended to be a high school kid to do it. They were like, you know, little adults with jobs. Their concerns were their jobs, and you know, like adult stuff. They weren't even kids. Yeah. So, um, and I think that really comes through too. And so, I think it probably struck a chord with people that were living like that you know it's like yeah i don't want to hear all about you know kids stuff because i'm worried about i've been late to my fast food job three times and i might get fired and then what will i <laughs> i mean they were really thinking about stuff like that and he addressed it so probably 
Yeah, he had his finger on the pulse of the mm-hmm. for sure. Like a very John um, John Hughes type vibe to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I kind of have a fun question for you. Okay. While we were researching this tonight, I I read that you're a magician member at the Academy of Magical Arts. Yes. I don't perform there, though. because Okay, so what happened? My now husband, when we were dating, he was a magician when he was little, and um, and he was writing the magazine. It's called Genie Magazine, and it's a big, big deal in magic. That's the thing about that. You can be the most, like, fall-down-dead famous person in magic, and they'll all, you know, plots when you walk in, and we don't have any idea who they are. <laughs> Other than like if if you're you know Chris Angel or something like that, it's this wonderful society of like incredibly smart people that are kind of neurotic and you know, it's just great. Um, but I felt like because he got to, he he would drag me around with him and and then um, he'd interview the the magicians and they magicians won't talk and talk shop in front of a muggle, right? Just won't. And so I didn't want to be a muggle. I didn't want to be the girlfriend. I wanted to belong. And so I auditioned and they made me audition three times and I'm glad wow. they did because by the time I, by the time I got in, I felt like I, I felt like I did, you know, earned it. It, yeah, I'd earned it and that they had to, they had to respect that. Cause right. I'm sure people were going, well, it's Dan's girlfriend. Of course she's going to get it. We didn't want any of that. Although those first two times I didn't make it were really humiliating. Um, <laughs> all those magicians, they were so generous. I've never seen actors do this, but, they're so generous with their time. Like people that would be considered in magic, like the cream of the crop would just say, Kelly, come here. Let me help you with that. And you see them, not just me, you see them do it with anybody. You, somebody would sit down with somebody who's a very accomplished magician and everybody knows who they are. And they'd show them tricks and stuff like that. And when they go around, um, they'll, they'll hit each other and say, I'm going to be in um, Montreal. Where's the magic in Montreal? Where should I go? Yeah, we don't have that, you know. Um, so it was—it's a really interesting community, but I do not have the hubris to think that I can perform because those people have been working on it every day. Some of them since they're like five years old right. to be that good. So I don't. What have, was the trick that got you in? Oh gosh, well, I every time I did different things because yeah. they don't really tell you, um, like what's going to, what they're going to pass you for or not, because they don't want to be attached to it. It's like, yeah, you can't say, well, I did everything you asked me to do because if you didn't, they just, they they know if they think you can perform or what, but what got me in was a simple little, I I think, I mean, you'd have like five or six tricks ready to go. And I kept shifting them out um, because, well, first of all, I, I started to see where, you know, something was in too much danger of not working <laughs> or, you know, or I didn't have the skill in my hand, you know, um, like I said, they've been doing it since they were little kids every single day for hours. And, you know, even as, as, a, as, a, as an adult now, if I wanted to do that as a grown up, I don't have time to put in to practice hours and hours a day. So yeah. it was not in the cards for me to become a magician. A magician, magician. No pun intended. Rob Zabrecki, he was in, um, he was a punk rocker, and he's a magician now, and he became a magician as as an adult. So it can be done. It's not that it can't be done. It's that I didn't do it. Um, 
so anyway, so in order to be, and you know what, when I became a member, it was different. You get to go in the members library where all the magic is. It's just like Hogwarts. I swear to God, yeah. all the magic so is cool. that you don't get to go in if you're, if you're just a muggle and they, people just accept you differently. And, and, um, uh, it was worth it. I'm really glad I did that. I yeah. really am. Yeah. Now, when they have respect for you, they share all their stuff with you, you say, right? Yes. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you think the difference is when you say, you you know, when comparing the acting, you say it's very different. You think the acting is more of a like, not to say ego, ego thing, but more of like a, your, your kind of, your, 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 your legacy is like your body of work. Whereas in with the magic, the legacy is to keep, keep that, that life like alive, keep that world alive. Cause okay. the magic's probably come down a little bit you'd say right like as part people entering into the world of it right what do you think um i could be wrong what do you mean as in yeah like are are there as many people trying to get into the magic world nowadays as like in the past you think or well um yeah well it kind of had a renaissance there for a while it's hard to say now after a year of COVID, I don't know what's happening with anything. It had to shut down. Right, right. You know, everybody was scared that, you know, it's got to come back. It can't go under because, yeah. you know, it's the club. People from all over the world say, all my life, I heard about the Magic Castle when I was little. And when I and it was my goal to see the Magic Castle. And now I'm performing there. And, you know, it's like, like a big deal. And I, I live walking distance from it. So it's kind of where it's a really, really big deal for everybody. And um, um, so when you go it's there. It's heartbreaking right now to see the fact that it can't be doing what it would normally do because of COVID. Yeah. Right. Well, it's not open. I mean, yeah. A lot of magicians have taken um, taken things online just like everybody else. Right. One benefit of being online is um, the camera can go and see. So it's looking like, like yeah, if the I'm magic, I can look down at you. Yeah. So you can actually see that angle, which people don't get to see. The yeah. close up gallery is the most fun because you're like this far away and you can't, I mean, they're, they're just fooling you because you think, well, I'm so close. How am I going to, how am I going to miss what they're doing? And yeah. yet they fool you. That's really yeah. funny. No, the- like literally, if you blink, you're gonna miss something. Yeah, it's and but you're like because it's 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 a small room and it it's like this and the magician is and then they probably have like two people up there. You can reach out and touch them. You could touch the table if yeah. you, know, you wouldn't, but it, you could. And how can they fool you from that close? You know. Right. Um, I've always a- yeah, I've always been very curious with the magic thing and, and the culture of it, like. Is it? Do they? Do you, do you think there's like a like a like a dark art at hand, or do you think it's just like the skill of like the tr- the trick of hand, this being a master of the trick of hand? What do you think it is? I know it's, you probably can't go too deep, but it's everything. Um, yeah. the, the skill is one thing. Um, um, it's 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 reminding people of that wonder in life. If yeah. you can, if you have that. And it's not just performing. It's also, pers- like you asked me what, what I finally won with. And I had this very simple thing. It was a Scrabble thing that my husband and I found together. It was a really simple sleight of hand. And, um, but we came up with something funny for me to say at the end, and they all laughed. And that t- then I was a performer. 
Yeah. And then they're like, yeah, okay. She can, you know, she's not just that they're like trying to do tricks. Yeah. She knows. And so, um, and then I did kind of find out what they wanted because an older guy said, well, wait a second. She didn't do any sleight of hand. And they, everybody asked what, yes, she did. That's what we were laughing about. Um, so, uh, so that is one thing, although they never tell you that. And maybe it's not anymore. You just don't know because they just, they want it to be, they want you or they don't. They want, you know, and I understand that because um, it could get icky, you know, if they just didn't want to, just didn't think you were good, even though you're doing everything they did ask, you know, on paper. So in that, in that respect, it's the same as getting in a role in a, in a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'd be like me saying, I don't know why, you know, I should have gotten that part. I knew the lines. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I dressed the part. I knew the lines. I got the blocking. I, I should have had the part. And that's not how it works. Well, it's not how it works there either. So, um, yeah, yeah. I always I think-, think of Lord of Illusions. Whenever I think of magicians, I think of the Lord of Illusions movie, and like them all sitting around the table. Um, and Anthony Schwalva, I think his name was, where he's uh, where the guy like calls him out for having the New York accent that he's trying to hide. Yeah, yeah. Well. We have somebody there who's from, I mean, that's the thing is you create a persona. We have a couple of people who have, who have, and they're, they're that person. They're not, they're not pretending to be somebody that they're not, Yeah. but they're not the person that they started out with, nor do they have the same name, you know, but you do develop a persona and you're supposed to have a character. Stage I mean, who wants to watch just a regular person sit there and do magic? You have to come up with a character. And that was one thing I was thinking um, of doing when I when I was thinking I might perform too was who am I going to be you know and sometimes and that doesn't have to be a big character it could be somebody that just comes across as a normal person but they're not really the normal person they're that person that they are on stage yeah there's a lot to it I mean it's an ancient ancient art right so um but they found the first cups and balls thing you know it's it's like caveman time when they started doing that, but it's all the sleight of hand and reminding people that there are things in the world that are magic and that we don't understand and that you, it's good to have your brain full because it's deadly to walk around thinking we know everything all the time. It's deadly for our creativity and our life and our, you know, keeping our hearts open and everything. And I took a yoga teacher of mine and just, here's the thing is we bring other people there, forget performing there, you know, even if I'm not performing and watching their face, that's the best thing about, about being a member of the Magic Castle is you watch their face and they're just like a little kid. Right. You know, it's amazing. Um, and one thing that's bad about it, too, is once you know how something's done, you know how it's done. Yeah, it's like film. I wish I didn't know how that was done now because yeah. everybody's loving it, you know. Movies. And I know how it's done. <laughs> yeah. well, we still have, you can see if it was done poorly or not. I mean, sometimes you can see that something really messed up um, yeah. and he like to say, Oh no. <laughs> and you're amazed that other people didn't notice it, but they didn't. So yeah. your husband, your husband is such a great guy. Did you, you and, did you and him ever team up and like do a performance there together? We didn't, we, we ran an improv class there together and we ran um, at the, there's a, we have conventions. They're magic conventions. They're nothing like our, our conventions, our horror conventions, but they're kind of this in, in, a, in a weird way. They're more presentational. Um, it's 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 more, much more structured. We ran a, an improv course there for magicians because it's really 
a lot of times people get really stuck in their, they call it patter, you know, the patter of what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And um, if you can make them more present and spontaneous, then their act really comes al- alive. And it's to encourage people to, you don't have to be stuck to the script that you learned, you know, you can right. talk to people and flesh it out. And so that was fun, but no, we never performed together. We should. It's not too late. Exactly. You got plenty of time to practice right now. It's true. We could have practiced this whole year, didn't we? <laughs> it's true. How is, how is COVID affected any upcoming projects for you? Were you in any in the middle of anything when it all started that you had to put on delay? We, we were, um, but it's fundraising stage. It's not like we had to close down a set, which is great. Um, but uh, three films got pushed back. One of which I'm afraid might might not happen now because of this, which is a bummer. But you know, stand in line, Kelly. That's happening to everyone. Um, one script came along because of COVID, which is which is cool. It came out of it, and um, um, one probably we would have had to develop it a little bit more and do it this year anyway. So um, it was just yeah, everything that we thought we were going to do, we didn't do. So it was bizarre, actually. It was really odd. I mean, we were all, because that's that's very much our thing. It's not just our job, it's our life, you know? And it's it's our whole lifestyle and everything. And we're just like, who are we? (laughs) Who are we? We no longer exist. I know, I, I, you know, we've, we've been having conversations about how when we have to go back out into the real world and start interacting with one another again, we're going to all be at a loss because we've all only been able to communicate by either Zoom or mm-hmm. telephone and, you know, about how as much as the internet can be annoying and, or, you know, you're on it too much or whatever, it's kind of, I'm kind of, thankful for the fact that we have the internet oh i know right now because it would have been so much harder to keep in touch with everybody if we had to worry about you know just keeping it impossible would have been impossible and i think a lot of people because a lot of us are actually secretly kind of introverted and not necessarily prone to a lot of you know wanting to get online and be performing all the time social media we had to yeah I was forced to learn how to do this, you know, because how else was I going to talk to anybody? And uh, I probably would have thought, yeah, I should really learn how to do that stuff online at some point and never done anything. <laughs> but I had the hello at some point is now. Um, That's kind of why we started doing the Zoom, too, because we had just been audio up until, wow, I think we didn't start even go, doing the video as with Zoom until, like, what, December? Yeah. So we were literally, because Maddie and I haven't seen each other in over a year now, at this point now. No, so, you know, that, the only interaction him and I even have is by Zoom doing the show. So, like, yeah. at the first time we get back together, it's going to be like hugs all around. And then, you know, just be nice to have kind of a, a normal show episode where we can actually all be together. Yeah. Yeah. All the things we took for granted, you know. I mean, the, and, that, and that's the funny thing thing you don't realize you I didn't realize how much I took for granted until this started yeah it's yeah. almost like night of the comet for real well you know everybody was saying that to me I was getting all these pictures <laughs> of the empty streets and stuff and I, 
you know, everybody wrote to me and said, this is like Night of the Comet. And they weren't wrong. You know, it it was, it was kind of, I mean, two people in my life, I, I, I still see, but everybody else I haven't seen in a year. Yeah. You know, my husband being one of them and another friend that I have, um, that I help out there. So, you know, I was always kind of part of the house in a way, but, um, so isn't that so, weird to think? So, so you've pretty much been battening down the hatches at home. You have, oh, yes. have you done any traveling now no. that no. vaccines out and all that? I have, um, I'm not eligible for it yet, but, um, I'm around, uh, older pe- people at, at, that are high risk. Um, and so no, because I'm not really, it's not that I will get it that I'm worried about. It's that I'll give it to somebody else. I, I would die if I did that. I might as well just die myself. You know, I'd feel it. So, no, I've been very, very careful the whole time for, for my friends. And also, um, um, I finally, because all of those people that were high risk, they've all got the vaccine now. <laughs> I'm like, do, 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 do. So, but um, um, somebody in our community actually helped me get a test. And then I got some documentation where, my friend said she's in my home, you know, with uh, food and, you know, and so like that's going to count. To kind of give you the push to get it. That, well, that's going to that's count because the problem is on the internet when it says, Are you, do you do this? Do you do that? There's nothing for what I did. So I couldn't check anything. I couldn't click on anything. I had to tell a real human being what it was, Yeah. you know, because if you heard what it was, you'd say, of course she should have it. But. Um, there was no way to describe it to a computer. Right. So anyway, I'm going to have, I'm going to have my first one on Thursday. You're beating me to it. And I work in healthcare. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've already, I've had it scheduled twice and both times they told me I wasn't eligible for it yet for whatever reason. Um, I had gotten an email from my employer stating, Oh, we're doing it on this date and this date. And both times, you know, because when they, they asked you, is this your first or your second shot? And I'm like, this will be my first. And they were like, okay, that's great. You know, here's your time. We'll see you then. And then right before, the day before, I got an email saying, oh, this clinic's only for people getting their second dose. Hmm. Hmm. So I'm like, whatever. I've, I've managed to, you know, despite the brain probe several times, <laughs> Not to get it, but you know, it's it would just be nice just to not have to have that doubt anymore. Yeah, yeah. not that anything much is going to change. We're still going to have to be careful. Yeah, exactly. You know? Because there's so I mean, many different strains of it now. Yeah, we're still going to have to do the mask thing and the social distancing thing. And you know, uh, there's a big, there's a part of me. I'm sorry. I know I'm a final girl. I don't want to sound like a chicken shit, but. Um, <laughs> I'm not ready to go sit in the movie theater with a bunch of people sneezing and stuff. I'm just not ready for that. You know, I kind of feel like, and also that I had an introverted side to me that no one ever sees. I kind of like being at home, you know? And so I'm worried that I got weird now and that when I go back out, I'm going to have to re-socialize myself. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that struggle more than you realize. Like usually for me, the extent the extent of my going out, even prior to COVID, like was an occasional karaoke night, or you know hanging out with Maddie doing a show, uh, or going to a convention. Other than yeah. that, I was home. So yeah. being home 
doesn't bother me. It's not like we don't have anything to watch, you know? Right. <laughs> There's right. plenty to I'm so addicted. We were doing this before COVID, but I'm so addicted to like pounding down like three or four movies. <laughs> it's so fun. I love have it. You binged any, have you binged any good TV series or what, what now? We, what you- we're just getting through. Uh, yes, we did. We're getting through um, the end of Tell Me Your Secrets right now. We did... Oh God, what didn't we do? We did, I can't, of course, I can't think of any of their names right now, but we did them all. Yeah. Like name one. <laughs> Queen Gambit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 We loved that. I thought it was, I thought it was spectacular. I'm falling in love with the young lady that played that character. Yeah. Anna. Like, uh, yeah. Her roles have already been so diverse you know, from being in Split and Glass and then she's got the new mutants and then she goes and does the Queen's Gambit and it's like, you see a whole completely different side of her acting abilities than mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. like, hopefully she sticks it out and, you know, has a career like you that expands over, like, three decades of films and shows and whatnot. This, there's a guy who was an extra often at um, on Ryan's Hope. And in in New York, the unemployment line for actors is that it's kind of like a lounge because people, like, they finish a show, like a Broadway show or something, and then they go get, you know, it's, so they all meet each other. It's much more of a, um, like a green room almost. Yeah. <laughs> so what, this, this is what he's referring to. <laughs> anyway, a lot of those guys uh, at one point, you know, probably were in jail, probably did have something to do with with crime and stuff. And then they came out and they, they started playing these parts and some of them like, just like, just as extras or day players or, or whatever, they put all that. Cause you know, the flavor of, of what you need for that, that world that you're trying to create in the, the movie. He said, you know, you just don't quit in this business. You just sit there long enough, you know, that they're, they're going to call your name, your tag, they'll call your number, your tag will come up. You just got to wait it out. Just don't leave the room. Right. And even as a kid, I thought, well, you know what? That you really boil it down. That's true. Something's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Persistent. Just don't die. You know? <laughs> yeah, just don't die. True. Dying can be a, a, a real good career move, too. It shoots you right up to the top of IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. so terrible. <laughs> I was going to ask you, at what point in your career did you realize, oh, wow, this is working out for me? And, you know, everybody, you know, that you realized people were starting to recognize you. Well, I got recognized from the soap because it was national television. So it was right away. Yeah. Right away. I mean, people would say, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, but as a copy, oh, my God, I hate you. It's, it's really funny. It's really fun. And then I had a cover of People Magazine come out. They did all of us girls. And I said to the guy, who, the newsstand that was down, you know, and on the street, I lived in a building and then the, the newsstand was right there. So he, I walked past him every day. I go, look, that's me. And he goes, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. He, he never did believe me. It was funny. Wow. That's so funny. It's um what would be what's like what do you think is your reason for the longevity you've had in this career 
I never gave up. I mean, I was just determined. It didn't matter if I never worked again, if if everyone thought I sucked, if I had no friends, if I had no money. If I, it didn't matter. I was not giving up. And that's the reason why I'm sitting here. I just was not giving up. Because, you know, I, I had like a really good encouragement when I first started. But then just like everybody else, there are times when I just felt like this, I'm never going to get another job again. You know, I can't even get in the door. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody cares. It's like you have, you go through those. And then all of a sudden something great happens out of the blue. Like you couldn't have planned for it. I mean, yeah. you can sort of, you can do footwork and try to figure out what the next probably right thing to do is, but you never do know. And then something comes and smacks you in the back of the head that you didn't even see coming. And you go, see, if I'd done this was going to happen, I would not have been so miserable and scared that whole time. And of course that job ends and you're miserable and scared <laughs> right back where you started. <laughs> I did this movie with him and he said, you know, I finally stopped worrying about it when I realized they're always going to need an actor like my type and I'm going to work and I'm just going to stop working. You know, that I'll never work again after this. He said, I just quit doing that. Yeah. I was like, yeah, you could just quit doing something. You, you don't have to do that. You could just stop doing that. So I try to do that. Did you meet yes, uh, Tom Eberhardt before mm-hmm. casting yeah. or during the process? Okay. No, I, I met him before. I'm no, I mean, while like before during. we shot the movie, but I met him in, in casting, not before. And I didn't meet any of those people before. Yeah. And that was just answering a casting call type? That's how that came about? Well, Tom had asked for the uh, annoying cheerleader in Fast Times. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but that was, I mean, that was one thing. But um, then also, um, they wanted to use Kathy from The Last Starfighter. She was coming off that. And Tom thought that they had to have somebody that, that looked like sisters. And, you, and and so uh, it's a funny thing because I auditioned for Nightmare um yeah, for Nightmare on Elm Street and she auditioned for Sam and she got the franchise. <laughs> but it would have been, you know, I mean talk about two different movies, but she her her coloring and everything is much more like Kathy's and everybody just went, "No, you know what? It's like it's like in My Man Godfrey, you know, um um Carol Lombard and I forget the name of the actress who played her sister. They look completely different, and that's what works. And that's what we're going to do. And yeah. then the producer, in a real Me Too moment, said, yeah, there's something in this movie for everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> we didn't we didn't know it was going to be a Me Too thing. You're not supposed to say stuff like that, but he did. Um, so, But that that is opposites, you know, I'm actually kind of work better in film. Now, when you watch television, like I watch it Law and Order and I'll go, wow, that, that, look at that casting. That could really be his kid. You know, it really impresses me when they do that. Um, but not, it's not as necessary somehow on film. Yeah. And it's kind of better to have the contrast. In fact, I heard a story about one movie where the, the coloring of the people, they kind of looked enough alike that they were afraid people were going to think they were brother and sister instead of lovers. Hmm. Interesting. Well, people. Yeah, that's something I never ever would have picked up on. Like yeah, well, you you never would unless unless you had to have this conversation like I'm having about Kathy and I not looking anything. And I said, I said we look nothing alike. And Kathy's trying to. She goes, No, we could. I said, Kathy, we look nothing alike. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're two different species. And that's when we, Wally, we get something in this movie for everyone. 
Yeah. Like I could see, I could see you being um, sisters with a movie in a movie with Amanda Weiss. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That I could yeah. see all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Barbara, and um, who else? People always used to tell me that they that I looked like Rebecca De Mornier. Yeah. I did a whole talk show with somebody one time. And she was also a guest, and when we got done, she said, You're, "Why are they?" She said, "Someone call you Kelly." At this whole time, I thought you were Rebecca De Mornier. She said, "No, I'm Kelly Maroney." <laughs> I mean, I can I, now that you say that, I can kind of the profile. I can see it too. Yeah, just the profile. Yeah. Yep. Not in front, but from the side. The side view. Yep. You can definitely. I can understand that. I can, but could be worse. They could have, you know, they could have. It could be a lot worse. Let's face it. Yeah. I'm also it's taking it worse. Stamos, yes. It could be so much worse. For sure. <laughs> for sure, for sure. How did you, how did it come about that you were on Playboy TV on that Halloween episode? Oh, so sexy. It's scary. That was fun. Yeah. How did I get on that thing? Somebody called me and invited me. Oh, okay. So there's, there was a, there's a guy who's kind of in our community. Um, he wrote a book about being, you know, at the Oscars, they have a present, they have people that are your guest, you know, that like, like they walk around with you and stuff that um, it's, it's sort of like your date, but it's, it's, you know, there's nothing gross about it, but that's who you're sitting with. Yeah. Okay, so he was one of those for the for some of the ladies, and he wrote a book about it. Um, and I met he 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 sort of dabbled in in our. I think he wanted he was going towards being a director, but or a writer, or both, something like that. <laughs> he called me and said he had put that together or something, and I'd never met Jeffrey before, and I I you know, I just love him. He's so sweet. I don't know if you know him, Jeffrey Reddick. He's the one who did uh, <laughs> who did the Final Destination movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he he's the one we haven't met yet. <laughs> well, I didn't know he was on this on a soap. See, all three of us was Lisa Wilcox on a soap too. She could have. Been. I don't. I don't she know. Have been, but she is Nightmare on Elm. She is related with the you know the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, which because she was at Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Big yeah, but and that's how we all end up on any of this stuff. If somebody calls us, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they wanted to do something that was kind of flirty and stuff for um, Halloween. Now, what they did do is, um, we didn't see any any uh, as Joe would say nakedity. We didn't see anything naked. They shot that after we were gone, and they they did say. There's nudity in this show, but we can give you a copy of it if you want it, and, and you won't see any nudity in the show. Yeah. I didn't ever get a copy, but um, yeah. yeah. We didn't care. I mean, I suppose maybe I, I could have cared or something. I didn't care. Yeah. It's like you're all, you're all adults. It's I just uh, you know. to care. Yeah. That's what I say. Yeah. Yeah, no, why would I care? Hell yeah. I mean, as, as we've already established, what, what's a big no-no at, in, in, at one point in life, in your career, is like perfectly okay and even welcome at another stage of your career. Right. It's, it's whatever is in, you know, in vogue right now. It might be that um, um, being naked is, oh, no, you can't be naked, and then it's fine later. Oh, no, you can't be on a soap. That's, we don't want you after that. It's fine. Now. Oh, too much horror. 
horror is hot now. I mean, it's all going to change. It's just yeah. the, you know, the world you keeps spinning around. Wait for that mm-hmm. So you just don't. You have to just do what what feels right for yourself, you know, as you're progressing, and don't worry about about things like that. But that will change. Yeah. The only thing that really won't change is you know being true to yourself. Even if you change your mind about what you're doing. Um, just doing what you think is right for you is always going to be the right thing to do. Yeah. Even though the rest of the world might think, what are you doing? Yeah. They might be right too, but, <laughs> but even so, um, usually going with your, with your gut instinct ends to the, the leads to the best things. Yeah. And it's, it's hard too. It's hard to, uh, for me, sometimes I go, is that really my gut instinct or is that my neurosis talking? I mean, <laughs> you know, is yeah. that really my gut or is that if it sounds suspiciously like fear, then I, I don't listen to it. Yeah. So that sounds a little bit like chicken shit to me. <laughs> don't do it that way. I love the fact of how real you are. Like, it's like you're a, you're a breath of fresh air. Yeah. No, thank and, you. Like, like Everybody within the horror genre, like people love there's like there's such a stigma with the horror genre. And you know, it's like if people just realized how it's a movie and yeah. you know, the people that are portraying those characters aren't those characters, you know, don't don't judge based on a role that you played it. That's the whole point of it. Well the thing is in any genre, I mean if people don't know you or don't hear you in real speak as yourself. That's all they know you as. They can't help but judge you as that. They've never seen you any other way. But what we have in our community, no other community has it. Like you don't find it. I would say you don't find it in romantic comedies or historical dramas. They don't have conventions for that stuff. It's a community that's really alive and it's uh, it's tied to, we're tied to each other on an emotional level that you don't see in other fan bases. We're really lucky. I think it's really special. I mean, that's where you want to be, I would think. That's where I want to be. That's about the only only thing I'm waiting for to be able to do again is start going to conventions again because they are so much fun. You meet so many awesome people. You make such great connections. And then, you know, it's kind of it's a good thing that you do make those connections, especially with the last year, because otherwise I would I probably would have lost it by now if I hadn't made so many connections with people. Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know. I was almost in, I'm almost on my way to Canada when the, they shut everything down. And oh, that would have been awful. And I was afraid that what if they shut down the border and I couldn't get home? Yeah, that happened to some people, not not in Canada, that. but you know, and so um. The guy who booked her in the show said, you know, I, I'm not going anywhere that I was planning to be. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. And so sure enough, they, the government came and, and shut that convention down for them. It was like the first week that it, it, that they shut down. It I was remember scary. that. Yeah. It was scary, too. It was like boom, 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 boom. Like all the doors just shut at once. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had had press passes for um, a local Comic-Con. And I think. Maddie and I, because again, that was when everything is, you know, had just hit the fan and literally up until like maybe three days prior to the convention supposed, supposed to be starting is when they finally decided to cancel the convention yeah. and reschedule 
and him and I were going back and forth. Should we go? Are we crazy enough? Are we I remember. <laughs> I remember all week. All week it was yeah. going back and forth. Should we just not go? Should we just not go? And then like three days before they, they canceled it. Yeah. So you feel yeah. that weight lifted off your shoulder, like, okay, well, was, so I'm glad you guys canceled this and it, we don't feel bad for not going. <laughs> it, was, right. it was one of those weird conventions where, like, the big celebrity was the janitor that, like, cleans up at the end of the night. So, like, <laughs> it, it wasn't quite worth risking getting sick and dying over, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, nothing <laughs> is, you know, actually. It doesn't matter who's there. Nah, yeah, yeah. You, you think about it, I mean, it's packed. It gets really hot in there. Yeah. People are breathing all over each other, let's face right. it. You know, it's not, it's, it's like if you were trying to get COVID, that would be a good place to go. Yeah. And I'm just wondering how they're going to do that, you know, because I remember the weekend before it just so happened, I had been at Horror Realm with mm-hmm. Carolyn Williams and um, Tom Savini and everybody else. And so we had the, we already had the, um, the hand sanitizer. At that point, they're still saying we didn't have to wear masks, but they were wrong. You know, so we had that this before. You know, at first they thought you don't really need to do that, but then they realized that that's a, a main thing you should be doing. We had that, and and I I went well. How am I gonna? Because the big thing is people want to hug you and they want to put their arms around you, and um, you know, I mean, how's that going to work? I just I just went ahead and, right. did it and just gave a them a whole, whole bunch of hand sanitizer afterwards. Yeah. And I joked to the woman, I said, I said, you you don't have any cases yet, right? And she goes, no, we don't have it here yet if, we, if we're going to get it. And I said, well, we have it in Los Angeles. I probably brought it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You shouldn't say stuff like that because by the, by the time we left, they did have it there. It wasn't us that brought it, I'm sure. But they did, you know, they were starting to see cases by the time we left. That's how fast it was going. I've I've always felt hand sanitizer should have always been a key ingredient at conventions from the get go of conventions. Yeah, in, in I, any, I know a lot. Of, I've always had it in my in my yeah. little kit. Always in any in I any lot. Yeah, yeah, you have to you have to have the I I call it the con crud bag. Right. You know you have what? you have your you have your the, the con crud. Yeah. I have a con crud bag and yeah, yeah. Have it all hand sanitizer. Candy wipes, you know, anything that you could possibly need to keep yourself from getting sick over the weekend. Right. Yeah, no, I have it in my bag, too. Yeah, for sure. It, within any large group of people, there will always be a small percentage of people that wouldn't care about passing on something or getting right. crazy, you know what I mean? Well, you don't know. I mean, you don't know who's... I remember one convention where we were that um, somebody had tried to come in with a weapon. Yeah, I believe it. We and had uh, we, so stopped, we, did, we never heard about it, but I heard about it later. What did you say, Matt? Somebody brought a machete to one of the conventions uh, we had. I think they were going to have Kane Hodder sign it, but I think that it was still uh, an issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I have a machete. I have a machete signed by Kane. Well, Kane sells them. Yeah, but he's not allowed to sell them anymore because of the fact that they're live weapons now so you know it's like you can't have people coming in with something or even purchasing something inside because you're still gonna have to risk that chance of somebody you know going postal and doing something with it you just don't know i mean you just never know what's gonna listen if they can go postal in a grocery store they can sure go postal at work i mean it's it's like that's where you probably would before more so yeah well kathy and i there's this really super cute 
rubber, like it wasn't as big as, but an Uzi, and we would each sign one barrel. Yeah. I, and I'd sign the other one. It was adorable. We can't carry those around. They won't let us on the plane with them, you know. And and also, I got to tell you, you know, the the picture of me that people, the, that's one that everybody wants, the one with the, the, cheerle- the cheerleader with an Uzi. Yeah. Um, given all these full shootings, I, I pro- pulled it off my website for a while. I put it back on because I thought, um, but but when the, when it first started to happen, it made me sick to think yeah. that somebody was going to get that idea from me. Right. And then I realized it has, you know, for, for various There's reasons. There's a lot more going on and them seeing a, I a think picture. The people that, yeah, the people that end up doing that stuff, I think they're going to do it whether the music or movies tell them or like the, the dog across the street tells them to do it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of a mental thing. Yeah. But I well, hear you for sure. Yeah. I respect the family and stuff. I, I I hear you. I catch that. Yeah, no, Instagram took that picture because it's obviously a gun. Yeah. And they said, we don't do um, overtly sexual or violent images. And that was that picture. <laughs> it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you look like you're going to use it on somebody. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> because you look like in a cheerleading uniform that you were about to use it on somebody. Oh, yeah. And I think that one was it actually was, was the rubber one. I'm not even sure that's the real one in the picture. I, I don't know. Um, we had the, we had rubber ones, and then when you had to really see the gun, they threw in real Mach 10s, but we didn't always have real Mach 10s. Yeah. It wasn't even, I think it was more like a facsimile of one, because they're heavy. Um, well, first of all, we trained on the Uzis, and then we couldn't, the whole line Daddy would have gotten us Uzis was, Tom was pissed because he wanted the Uzis, it was important to him, and they tried to save money by getting Mach 10s. Uh. And so that's why we were we were making fun of them. And Kathy says it's practically designed. You know, they they jam, yeah. and so and it's true they do jam. And they were jamming, and he said we're never going to get this movie shot because they jam, and they yeah. did. And so that's what he said. He said next it jammed, and uh, he said next time that happens, I'm not going to cut. Just say something about it. And I went like what? Because I was afraid to get in trouble. Yeah. Um, and uh, he said say. And we, he came up with that line, Daddy would just say, this is the problem with these things. Daddy would have gotten us Uzis. And then you just do what you want to just walk off and do such <laughs> or whatever. And that's what we did. That's, and that was because it was that day it was jamming so bad, we couldn't get through, you know, two lines of dialogue without it being jam, 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 jam. We were losing our minds. Yeah. And that's where that came from. And, you know, that's why people seem to like that line so much as you can tell when something came out of a real thing that was happening, you just yeah. you might not think, Oh, that's a real thing that happened, but something it's something that catches your attention more. So. Yeah. I, I hear the, I hear guns jamming is a huge issue on sets that, you know, they don't even realize like a lot of the scenes you'll see in films and like cut together. is just like the small, you know, five second clip that they could catch of it working, just redone over itself. You know what I mean? I had a quick yeah. question about um, chopping mall. Keeping with that that theme, was there like with the the robots? Was there a lot of wait time on those robots to wait for them to do what they got to do? Or no, we had no wait time at all. We shot in like three weeks. They didn't close the mall. We had to wait for the mall to close mm. and every everyone to go home. Then we ran in there. We shot all night, and we had to have everything back together again for the stores to open in the morning. Mm. So, no, there was no wait time. Very dawn of the dead of you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the thing was is that one was remote control. I mean, 
and they also had like the hands yeah. and the, the head that would go, you know, they could cheat that stuff a lot. Yeah. So, um, um, but no, everybody was so organized. And I, I couldn't get over that. They were putting everything back right. where it was to open them. That's a, that's a Roger Corman crew. There's nothing that phases them. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could destroy Los Angeles and in the morning they would have it back together again. This is, that's how they're in trains. Yeah. <laughs> nothing phases them. It's, it, it's, but it's really something to think about, you know, because we were purposefully destroying everything in our path that they would let us. Yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a movie with Tom Selleck as a cop fighting its robots. It's the perfect double feature with Chopping Mall. I forget the name of that movie right now, but perfect double I feature. I don't think so. I saw it. Yeah. Oh, great. It was right around that time, too. Yeah. I figured, you know, that. A very professional team making the effects, of course, and the robots not giving them hard times, but just the technology of the times and working with it. If there was a lot of, you know, holdups, whether it doesn't go in the right direction, you know, off the track or something. Well, that kind of stuff happened. It didn't, yeah, you know. it didn't happen, like in excess to where it would shut down production while we waited. Yeah. But it, yeah, sure. It happened. I mean, if you got, some, if a guy's got a, ro- a remote control that he's trying to wield a, a kill bot around with, yeah, that's going to get messed up for sure. <laughs> just saying it, you know, oh, that's messing up. Yeah, it's just kind of a given. Yeah. But um, has, has there ever been talk of maybe a chopping mall too? Because yeah. I know that it could work. You know what I mean? Well, there's so many cool ideas now yeah. with drones and, you know, where things have come. Um, I've heard recently some really clever ideas. There's one... Um, um, that I hope I hope we get to do, yeah. but um, it's got a pin in it right now, which means they say we're going to put a pin in it, or we put a pin in you, and that means that you're still on our minds, but we pinned you to the bulletin board, which means right. you're not. <laughs> um, but it's this is out. I mean, they could conceive. We almost shot up a, a proof of concept. Chuck Serino updated the music. I love the soundtrack. I was going to comment on that. Yeah. Um, I think think the soundtrack makes it. He upgraded it to 2020. Yeah. And it says Chopping Mall 2020. And then Tony and I were going to do a, a, they had something that they asked us for our availability if we would do something. And we said yes. And then nothing, we never ended up doing it. And I don't know exactly what happened, but we're ready to go if they are. Yeah, Chuck's music is uh, incredible. I have the soundtrack. Anybody that collects vinyl out there, there's a great vinyl release of it. Mm-hmm. And not, now is the time to do Chopping Mall, too, because nobody's going to the malls, so you could easily get it. They'll probably pay you to shoot it there. Well, there's so many um, abandoned malls. I've uh, always thought, I mean, I've been seeing pictures of them for years and just thought, why doesn't somebody go in that abandoned mall and shoot like that, you know? Yeah. Has Jim ever expressed interest in a sequel? Yeah. Hell yeah. See, the time's come. And now is the time of like crowdfunding. What's your take on crowdfunding? I think that more he'll people never, should. You're not a fan? No. No? Okay. Old school people are just never going to do that. Yeah. Um, it's tricky. It's tricky, you know. Um. Yeah. No. Um. For a long time, just, you know, Roger Corman owned it and he had a death grip on it. And there was yeah. no t-shirts. There were no 
I mean, I saw some adorable kill bots being made that, I mean, one of them was about up to my knees, or yeah. a, like a, maybe a little, a little taller. I wanted that thing so bad. It was so detailed and it was on a remote control and its head turned. I was, I have to have that thing. Yeah. The guy only made one because he wasn't allowed to. And, you know, there's other little, like there's an action figure of me and there's an action and I've got my flair too, which yeah, I thought was a nice yeah, touch cool. and the, and the kill bots. Um, but we weren't allowed to do anything. And then there's a rule now, which is why things are easing up. Um, now Lionsgate owns the movie mostly, but the original creators of the movie, like in, in the eighties get 10% of it back. So Jim and Steve have 10% of it back. Yeah. And Tom Everhart has 10% of it back. That's cool. Which they had used to have nothing. Now I, what can you do with 10%? But you know, it's Something. better than a poke in the eye. Right. Um, you know, they'll, they'll always own that, right? Like the way that goes is even when they pass away, that goes to their family, right? Their estate, I think, or something like that. I'm sure it does. Yeah, that's cool. Now I'm glad. I always like here when the filmmakers get their the rights back to their film. I love hearing that because it's such a horror story that they they lose it to begin with. You know what I mean? Yeah, there were so many horror stories in the '80s that it makes your head spin. Yeah. Everybody got so screwed so many times, like including those two movies, the guys that made them. You know, nada. And so it's it's good to know that I think in order for in order for them to ease up and give somebody ten percent of back, you know how bad it was because right. there's any way they could get around that. They, if they had any way to defend what had been done, they probably would have, but they can't defend what was done. Yeah. So and then there's the whole time too where um, when you know digital stuff came in and all this stuff, you'd have. Somebody would own the rights to the, the soundtrack, and somebody would own the rights to the DVD, or, and somebody would own the rights to the film itself. And nobody knew the rights would be all over creation, and nobody would know who had what. Yeah. That they there was another um um um, re, um like you, too many chiefs, not enough Indians to know what was going on. Oh, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Mm-hmm. Well, two things were just getting sold left and right, and and nobody knew that it was important. We didn't know; they didn't yet know how they should be selling it off. But they were going to do a um, remaster of Night of the Comet. Same thing. Some of those songs, the guy was like running around chasing people, trying to figure out who owned what song and where they were. And um, so it would take somebody like a Lionsgate or in Night of the Comet's case, an MGM, to buy them and this. There's so you know, then they will find it, you know. But just yeah. there people running around, you you'd never find it. Yeah, music's a weird thing. Like there's a uh, Chilean Chilean director Alejandro Hodorowski, a lot of art house films, and his whole you could barely get his cat his body of work forever because because of the music copyrights. You know what I mean? It's it's like oh man, horrifying stuff. And stuff that we never think about when we're, yeah. you know, it, it never crosses our minds. It gets the legal and you're talking, it sounds like they're talking about a whole different movie than we're talking about <laughs> when it gets to legal. But that happened to my soap opera. Like uh, there's two years that they can't run anywhere because they don't have the rights to the music. And it's ABC. I think Married wow. with Children has an issue with the, one of their theme songs at the beginning like that. Who? What? Uh, Married with Children. Oh, I'm I sure. Like, yeah, I, I think the first season is has like a weird cut, like the intro. I don't know why they don't chop the intro song out of it and just you know right. what I mean. But but uh, yeah, 
Right. I had a Roger Corman question to go back to that thing. Do you think with it without the with no t shirts and stuff like that, do you think that was just that famous cheapness of Corman, or do you think it was just because he's so old school he's not even thinking of t shirts and marketing for the film? Well he doesn't yeah, he doesn't think about marketing and stuff like yeah. that. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why would he? You know what I mean? So, <laughs> I think really he should have. I really think he should have because now, especially nowadays, where he's such a legend, if he had more shirts and think, you know, promo and merchandise for people to buy supporting him, he'd probably make a lot of money. Yeah. Oh, well, he, he hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know, need to make any more money? I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's there's a difference in old school people. They don't do things. Like, see, once upon a time, you didn't. I mean, the studio would send pictures out. Yeah. You know, you didn't buy them from the person. I had to get over that too. I thought, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to a convention and, and take money from somebody from signing something. And then you're sitting there all day long and smiling and you go, this is hard work. I said, I guess it's okay. If I take <laughs> um, but that, that was a big thing for me too. Um, old school. It's like, you don't merchandise yourself or right. you don't, um, it, it's a whole, and actually it's um, the people, People, if, if you don't get rid of that, it's to your detriment because it's different now, and you have to it's you have to live in the now, present. Yeah. But especially some of those old timers are like, "What? No." Sure. Well, yeah, some of them like they have that, um, um, like the viewers are my boss attitude, which I think everybody has, but like they're more like you know what I mean, like that that stance with it. Mm -hmm. uh, to get into conventions, when did you start popping around and popping up into the conventions? And like, when did you really um, start to realize that there is a, a, a fan base out there that really loves your work? I had no idea until the internet. Yeah. And people would say, oh, there's, there's a site up about, and Scott, I couldn't believe it. I said, no way. Yeah. Because people would recognize me from stuff and everything, but I just thought that was a here and there thing. Yeah. And come to find out, and Barbara had the same. She goes, we, we couldn't believe it. It's like, everybody knows chopping mall. You're kidding me. <laughs> it's like, um, and we had to be told, no, it's a thing. It's a thing. And, and so uh, gradually I, you know, got on the stick with it, I guess. And um, the first convention I did was the Hollywood show out here. Tony O'Dell told me you should go do this stuff. And I said, I don't know, you know, he said, you should really go do it. And so I did. And I was like, wow, these people are so glad to see you and everything. This is great. Um, and then, um, I don't know, I think I've done like two or maybe sometimes three shows a year. I go when I'm invited, you know, with this yeah. thing. you don't just show up or you, people have to invite you. They have to want you to come. Yeah. Um, and um, I just love them. I just love them so much because it's... Yeah. You hear these touching stories that in no other, it's not that they're going to email you this story, but since they're, they're talking to you, they'll tell you something. And, you know, it's just, it's so, you can't, the whole point of being an actor is you wanted to reach out to other people. That's, you know, yeah. and so when you find out you were, you did reach out to other people and it meant something to them, that's the, your whole point of existence. And so, it, you know, we'd never get to even hear that if we didn't come. Yeah. And, you know, there's a thing now where we know our fans. We know people online. We know, you know, we know, we know you guys um, out there. It's not just like you're watching a movie that we made 30 years ago. It's, we also know you. <laughs> it's yeah. great. Yeah. Really great. It's like it feels like a family. Hell yeah. 
Hell yeah. Mel, do you have any other questions for Kelly? I actually don't because like we usually do, we ask everything and it all comes back full circle. (laughs) Hell yeah. Well, you you know, what's your, I know you just briefly talked about it real quick about the fans, but uh, I guess you already answered it. I was going to say, you know, what's your feeling on the fans, you know, coming out to see and showing this report. Obviously, you know, you're a big fan of it. Love it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. It's the whole, and you know, I, I I have heard some bad stories, but I really have. I guess I've been very lucky, and everybody's been really really nice to me. So I haven't had too many. Um, you know, I mean, there's always there's always one bad apple that's going <laughs> to come, right. come in drunk or something like that. Right. But you know, um, I, I actually got pretty unscathed with that knock on wood. So uh, it, I just I just think it's great. Um, what was I going to tell you? They forgot. <laughs> okay. I, you know, we're going to hang up and I'm like, oh, man. Is that a whole point of the interview? <laughs> and you're always you welcome back. Always, you can, yeah, you can always email it to us and, you know, we can we can uh, somehow, you know, maybe do a news article and post it yeah. along with it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've I've never seen no weird interaction with the celebrity and like uh, a guest. I would that's like I would I would hate to see that. That'd be so uncomfortable for everybody. So awkward, you know, right? Weird. Imagine that. Awkward. Oh my goodness! Everybody else is like dying for them. You know, like, stop yeah, it, stop it, stop it. <laughs> so tough. Oh. Oh well. Well, well, Kelly, I think we've taken up enough of your time. I'm, I'm like again. I apologize for the mix-up during yeah. all of this. No, um, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. No, it was funny. I was like, I know for sure she said four thirty. I'm sure she said four thirty, and then nothing came. And I went, he was right. It's seven thirty. Oh, <laughs> but it all worked out. It's fine. It's fine. It was- it, it, when that happens, if you just don't like, don't leave the house and like, don't go too far, and you'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So before before we let you go, if for anybody that doesn't follow you already or interact with you on oh. social media, how can they find you? Oh, I have a, a website, kellymaroney.com. I make it really easy to find me. I'm on Facebook, Kelly Maroney, and um, actress Kelly Maroney, which is my page. It's connected to my website, and I have a, a group, Kelly Maroney official um, fan group. It's it's not private though. And I am Kelly Maroney on Twitter. I should probably spell that because everyone spells it wrong, including on credits. When I was on True Blood, they spelled my name wrong on the credits. I was like, K-E-L-L-I, people. K-E-L-L-I-M-A-R-O-N-E-Y. It's really easy to get wrong. And then so on Instagram, Kelly Maroney. And now TikTok. I haven't made any TikToks yet, but real Kelly Maroney because my name was already taken. Hmm. Which is weird. Get out there and get your names right away, yeah. otherwise you won't have them. <laughs> they try and sell them. I'm going to follow you on TikTok. <laughs> There's a whole business of weirdo people that do that. They go buy, get your names, so they can sell it to you later. Oh, that's that's rotten, isn't they, it? Yeah. <laughs> that's rotten. It's, it's like bottom feeder type stuff. They do it for websites too. We well, thank you very much. It's been well, delightful talking with you. Give your you. give your darling husband a, yes. a shout out. Hello, my well wishes. And yes, stay safe, stay healthy, and you we too. can't wait to be able to talk and see you in person again. 
Oh, yeah? I know. Won't that be something? I know. Finally, after all this, when we finally see each other and we go, we finally see each other in person, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Yep, it is. Like, big hugs all around if it's safe. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be safe by then, yeah. 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 Okay. It was all lovely right. to meet you. I talked with Have you. Thank night. you. It was great to talk to you. Great to talk to you, too. Have a good one.